0: Hi, and welcome to the Just Riding Along show.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 120, the test recording episode. Jesus (laughs) Christ.
0: (laughs) We've done so many test recordings that we've gone back in time.
1: We've done so many test recordings that we've gone back in time. I feel terrible. I, I have terrible indigestion and I'm... Yeah, so that's my week. Is it no, because really.
2: is it because you have purchased the the AliExpress handlebar slash frame version of a
1: mixer? I'm running the same mixer that we've ran for years. That didn't answer my question. No, it's nice. <laughs> okay, it's not from Alibaba Express. AliExpress <laughs> didn't really exist in the way that it does today. When we bought this,
0: yeah, back. Like the only time I've ever looked at that was a very—I think I was in Memphis, and I think you had to order at least a thousand of whatever it was that you were buying.
2: Good stuff. Okay, I'm is done. That... I'm done making fun of your mixer. I see that. Are you I sure? see that that struck a chord.
1: I'm just fucking. I'm. It's <laughs> been a
2: day. So what did I, what did you eat? Why is your tummy upset? I don't know. That's it's...
0: the bad part. Is you just never know. Could be just stress. Elevated cortisol levels.
2: Have you not eaten enough potatoes slash rice? That's
1: pretty important. (laughs) Had a good bit of rice this week, but we did substitute in some barley, so maybe I'm behind on rice. Ah, see? You can fix all your problems, your mixer problems and your food problems.
0: (laughs) Give the mixer some rice. (laughs) Just stuff rice in all the extra holes. (laughs) We just need a toddler to dump a bucket of rice onto the mixer.
1: (laughs) I'm just kidding. Well, thanks for listening. (laughs) Uh, I'm talking. And I'm just going to go ahead and go. So we recorded on Wednesday. Then Thursday was the greatest meal in all of American history where we eat way too much food with friends.
0: I just want to go on record as saying I reserved some of my, I guess, uh, stomach space for bread pudding for dessert. So I wasn't hurting until after dessert. Matt was hurting ahead of dessert. See, And Tom had to take his his dessert home <laughs> yeah so what
1: happened on thursday is we knew that weather was coming thursday night or friday morning and since i've been tearing shit down this that whatever i woke up really early that morning for a reason we're not going to share on air no one wants to hear about a traumatized little dog
0: oh no poor days to make no a long- we should we need okay, to say that so, as a psa so, for people so
1: don't there's these kennel heaters. They're like a little heating pad that can go inside of your dog's kennel. And they have what is supposedly a chew-proof cord. It's got this coating, like this metal spring thing on it, so your dog won't chew through the wire. Well,
0: And I checked on that on a regular basis because Daisy
1: likes electronics. She's chewed through a computer charger and three pairs of headphones of mine. So I
0: very diligently, often when I would put her in her crate, would just check and make sure that was you know right up against the you know in the crate where she couldn't get to it and it was like run through the wire like the
1: the mesh of the, the crate.
0: mesh of the crate like down really low too so like there wasn't much there that she could get to
1: well she did i woke up at 406 in the morning to the sound of absolute distress from downstairs i run downstairs and the stench of poop hits me and i'm like all right i need a game plan i'm gonna open the crate i'm gonna stuff the dog outside i'm gonna deal with this and when i open the crate and she runs out i try to grab her and she acts as if she's on fire she won't let me touch her she's very upset extremely upset and then we realize a little bit later that she had chewed through the cord and literally shocked the shit out of herself so the next time someone says that shocked the shit out of me be like did it really, though? Because that's the thing. You can shock the shit out of yourself. Daisy is living proof. So I woke up at 4 in the morning on Thursday. Once it was finally warm enough to move around outdoors, I went outdoors while Andrea was cooking. i We have a, a bike like repair shop, like a workshop area. It's not big enough to pull a car in. And then right next to that is a carport. And the wall between the bike shop and the carport was... Finished on the shop side and was exposed studs on the carport side. And in the process of tearing down sheds, I generated a bunch of let's call it B grade plywood. You know, not something you'd build cabinets out of, not something you'd want to like really do something nice with, but great if you're going to put insulation in that wall and then put up uh, put up some some paneling or, you know, some sheeting on that wall.
0: Yeah, and if you have a couple of acres of property and some chickens and whatnot, you have a lot of use for B-grade plywood.
1: A lot of use. So I, in preparation for the incoming weather, I wanted to get some of that material more organized and more cleaned up. So I ripped everything out of the cardboard, which is right now a holding area for things that came out of sheds. And I dug headlong into this project. And uh, Troy had gifted me a unopened bag of... Of insulation so that cotton candy stuff that cotton candy the forbidden cotton candy so put all that up got the shooting up one thing i do want to recommend if you're going to be running a nail gun on one side of the wall you should go to the other side of the wall and say hey <laughs> do i have anything that i don't want to fall off of the shelf right here that's attached to this wall that I'm going to be hammering on like a nail gun or like a meth head with a nail gun. And uh, the answer is I didn't do that. So in the process of putting all that up, my oiler can, like the little... The little drip oiler, like if you were drilling something or cutting metal or whatever, it fell off the shelf, bounced off the vise, and landed in the top of my tool chest and leaked out all of its contents over the top shelf of my tools. So, I looked at that and I literally closed the lid and said, that's a problem for later me. I was... Then treated to a wonderful lunch that Andrea made for us, and Tom came over to have lunch with us. She smoked a turkey, made stuffing, mashed potatoes, or smoked a chicken, because turkeys. I'll let you tell the food story when you're not standing far away from your mic, putting on a Snuggie. Uh, But she made an awesome lunch, and then Friday I rode the trainer. I don't remember what I did on Saturday at all. I have zero recollection. Um, Sunday I rode the trainer. Tuesday I rode the trainer, and tonight i rode the trainer so i've actually been riding the trainer some and i am done talking now because that's what i've been doing this week did i order any bike parts ordered a new pair of shoes this week ordered some Jiro blaze shoes like a mid-weight winter riding boot today and that's all i got
0: all right kenny you want to go because i'm gonna when i go i'm gonna start off with patrons and you guys just have your own thing going
1: (laughs) okay
2: I really didn't do anything interesting. I don't think the weather's been really cold. I was going to go down to St. George, but the group that was going to do that kind of fell apart. People were sick and this and that. So I just kind of hung out and was pretty worthless, but did a few things around the house and i thought you were gonna say you just did burnouts in the garage on the green machine <laughs> no i probably need to find a new home for the green machine i'm not really gonna use it it was a fun project but i don't really i don't really what need would the it.
1: green machine go for
2: i don't know i mean the problem is it has really expensive speed controller on it and you'd have to provide your own batteries but like the chassis would be free Essentially. So if someone is interested in the green machine and you have batteries, you can run it on just about anything that you want uh, from like a single 20 volt DeWalt. It just won't go very fast or very far, but you can like properly program it for that. And uh, you can run all the way out through a hundred volts, I believe, or maybe more. So you could run, Did you just run it off of like a car battery. Uh, you could, you could, you could. <laughs> the issue with the way these systems work is the motor is wound in such a way that you kind of need a certain amount of voltage for it to spin fast enough like it'll work you can run it on like you could stick a like a 2s rc car battery like the most basic low volt rc car battery in there and like it's going to move forward but you're going to go three miles an hour and like that's as fast as it can ever go
1: what about two car
2: batteries in series you could (laughs) you're getting there you're at 24 volts now and you'll go a tiny bit faster it really it's happiest around 40 like that's where it wants to be so
1: so three batteries in series and it'll go pretty fast forever that yeah that's correct if you want (laughs) to if you want to be really really cheap you could like get three
2: uh like old ups batteries and cram them in there but that would be pretty silly everything should be lithium these days anyway if anyone is interested in such a thing let me know because yeah i'm not really i'm not really using it yeah, it had a big old chunk and Suron battery in there, but that Suron battery was pretty expensive and somebody wanted to buy it. So
1: uh, I sold it. Wait, I'm finding like pretty cheap. Here's like a 48 volt, 50 amp hour lithium. Ion- oh, that's $700. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> pretty cheap.
2: Yeah, I would also avoid buying a Hongdong giant one kilowatt hour pack from the internet because it will 100% burn your house down.
1: <laughs> what about this Ryobi 40 volt, six amp? Yeah,
2: you could totally do that. that's... Now you're now you're talking. So I've right now it's set up to run on two DeWalt twenty volt big boys in series and that works pretty good. Oh man. <laughs> but you can't have you can't have my batteries. Uh but yeah,
1: if someone is I mean, but you can get batteries at Home Depot. You totally can. They're very expensive. I mean, but you can like Home Depot, like let's build something together and what they want you to build together is the green machine of death. <laughs> but Could truly you run three batteries in series and go even faster? You
2: can. You can run out to hundred volts. So whatever Want what happens with, over 100? Uh, the smoke comes out? Yeah, I mean, you'll burn out the controller um, is what would happen first. But to give you an idea, at 60 volts, it would go 45. So at 80 <laughs> volts, it would probably be touching 60 miles an hour, maybe. That's safe. It's very safe, yeah. it has. So at 100 volts, you could just ride it at highways. <laughs> for probably 30 seconds, yes. I mean...
0: Yeah, then you got to worry about like the speed rating on the tires and shit. There's nah, lots nah.
2: of bad things that, that could happen. But if you want to, you can truly find probably the best thing to do size wise for it is you can buy the my first Suron battery, which is they made like a version that was lower voltage. So maybe 48 volt instead of 60. And nobody wants those batteries because people like upgrade them and all that stuff. It was a Segway, some kind of Segway 160 maybe versus the 260, which is the actual Suron. Anyway, that's a whole lot of garbage that no one cares about. But there is a really cheap Suron battery out there that you could probably buy in like minty condition. That would be over a kilowatt hour for probably like 200 bucks, 300 bucks, something like that. And that thing would be a ripper. It looks like they're
1: going for 500 bucks on eBay in great condition.
2: Uh, A 160 or 260 battery? A 160,
1: 48 volt. There you go. And I'm pretty sure. You can find them cheaper than that. I mean, but that's like that came up pretty quick. Boom. There you go. So here here's a new one for five fifty. So Yeah, they're cheap. Oh my God. Here's one for twenty three hundred dollars. It's a seventy-two volt battery. All right.
0: Are we are we done talking about batteries? (laughs) We're we're
1: done talking about the green machine, done talking about
2: the batteries. I wish I had cooler stuff to talk about, but yeah, maybe we'll do St. George here coming up. I think we're doing I know we're doing a moto trip in January with a big crew of people. That's really all I got coming up.
0: All right, well, I'm going to kick off uh, my talk with patrons at $10 a month we've got zozo zach will tom todd ty tennessee zach taper bore pro smells like sweat and fear scg shuko sam ryan ride bikes hail satan ralph wiggum parker noah nick my pal dal MTB shenanigans lloyd christmas leland kevin's tiny erect dick
1: kenny sucks Ken. we should read these in the other direction next week
0: <laughs> yeah uh, Ken, Josh, 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 Jeff, JC, Jara Jake, Green Giant, Gordon, G Man, F that Guy, Mark, Ezra, Evan, Eric, Drew, Peaballs, Dan, Captain Fickle, Cam, Irish One, Billy Single Speed, Bill, Bo, Barry McCockiner, Baggins, <laughs> Alec, AJ, Aaron, Esker Cycles at eleven sixty nine per month, leadout sports and Josh from the Anteza at 14 Australian. Dean at 1650 Australian. At uh, 20, we've got Scott, Pooperinch, Joe, Brady, Anthony, Harley at 30, Troy at 31, and Six Pack Outdoors at 50. So what have I been doing this week? I started, yeah, on Thursday I cooked Thanksgiving food. I brined and smoked a chicken, one of our yard chickens we raised earlier in the summer. It was absolutely delicious. Made some dressing and made what else oh yeah cranberry sauce i'd never actually made cranberry sauce but when i was visiting my parents my mom uh, snuck two bags of cranberries into my stuff and so i had to do something with one of those bags i've never really been a fan of cranberry sauce but i've always just you know been to thanksgiving where there's like the can with the ridges in it of that just kind of sitting on the table
1: it's ribbed for her pleasure
0: (laughs) it's not pleasurable and it's like cranberry juice and corn syrup and jello. It's just cranberry jello. And it's kind of gross, I think. So I made cranberry sauce. I thought it was pretty good. You know, cranberries are kind of tart and just have like a, I don't know, they're just tart and a little bitter. So if you don't put a fuck ton of sugar in there, that's all you really taste. Uh, but I mean, I put some sugar in there and I thought it was pretty good. I ate most of it.
1: Uh, I wasn't a huge fan. I think it wasn't the bitterness. I think the orange zest just didn't.
0: Yeah, I put a little orange orange zest and a little
1: orange juice in there. I thought it was pretty good. but That's why Baskin-Robbins has 31 flavors.
0: Yeah, that's true. I don't even remember what I did. After we ate, we went out and finished because the, the weather has been really cold. And that was like our last nice day. So Really
1: cold as in single digits when we wake up in the morning.
0: Yeah, it's single digits every night. It gets up in the 40s during the day, maybe. And so the ground is frozen. And that was like our last day before the ground was going to freeze. So I was like, hey, I know that we're both just like bloated and full. But we got to go and finish doing as much leveling in the shed area as we can do. So we we did a little bit of that, dug up some rocks. Uh, The dirt here in that spot is more rocks than dirt. So... You kind of just have to pick at it more than just dig it.
1: Like literally break it up with a pickaxe and shovel what comes up out and repeat and repeat.
0: Yeah. So it's not easy, but we did that. I've been getting ready for, I was getting ready for mountain lion hunting season and that started on Monday. Been out a couple of times and it's been really fun. Monday didn't find any tracks or anything. Uh, We did get, we got a bunch of snow Friday before that. So
1: you rode the trainer on Friday.
0: Oh yeah, I did. I, I rode the trainer and uh, my FTP is not very high. I had to uh, adjust that a little bit in trainer road. But yeah, I had a nice little, just did like a half hour workout. Um, I'm slowly getting back into that, but just kind of have to get a winter routine going. Uh, what else have I done? Uh, so mountain lion hunting, yesterday when I was out mountain lion hunting, found a track and then once I started following it, it became very apparent that It was two adult-sized mountain lions that were similar in size, so not like one big one, one small one, but two similarly-sized adult mountain lions hanging out in the woods together. They walked pretty much parallel to each other and kind of converged every now and then. And uh, I eventually lost the track in a spot where there wasn't any snow. And I I don't think I'm going to go back for that one because, you know, just going out and hunting by myself... I don't necessarily want to confront two mountain lions at the same time. One is terrifying enough, but two would be... Uh, thats That goes from crazy to stupid, I feel like. like I feel like what I'm doing is kind of crazy, but in a slightly uh, less stupid way than if you were just to like try to chase down two mountain lions at the same time, where one could just, I don't know, jump out of the bushes and bite you in the back of the head or something. So I probably won't go back for that one. Today, I met with Travis Macy, uh, who is a fellow podcaster. He has his own podcast where he interviews people of all sorts of different um, endurance backgrounds. And so it's, I don't know, he's... Like really interesting dude podcast. I haven't listened to the podcast. I don't know if I've mentioned it on here before. I hardly ever listen to podcasts. I'm not very, I I just kind of live in my own world of, you know, the woods and the mountains and I don't get to the outside world very much. So I'm a little out of touch on these things, but we talked for a while, uh, talked about kind of past adventures, uh, how I started cycling, how I started mountain biking, how that transitioned into hunting. Yeah. Just. Just kind of fun stuff like that. So that should be out sometime next month. Of course, I had like two or three different things that I wanted to talk about, and I can't remember any of them now. I'll randomly remember things throughout the show. But that's uh, kind of it for me. Do you guys want to talk about new shit?
1: Sure. Absolutely. Only if we can make fun of them relentlessly and without remorse as a way to channel out all of this anger inside of my body. As hate towards something else. (laughs)
0: Uh, Well, is there anything that you want to talk about first? Should we pay our wolf tooth tax?
1: Uh, before we pay our wolf tooth tax, there's a video that I saw. It's I think his name is... I want to get his name right. Oh, you should... Uh, Common Saw released a video called Back to Basics with Jack Piercy. And the dude's just ripping the shit out of one of their hardtails. And let me tell you this. I watched that video and I immediately thought about selling my stump jumper. Like, <laughs> this guy fucks. Okay? <laughs> like,
0: Imagine what he could do on a stump jumper.
1: Fuck harder. <laughs> so... I'm a pretty opinionated on, on mountain bike videos. Um, and this video, not only is it really cool to see somebody absolutely railing the shit out of a hardtail, but I really like this style of video. Kenny, you might be able to help me fill this in. I know Andrea won't. Who's that dude that always comes out with amazing videos and everybody loses their mind over them? They're like all the big Utah, like super free ride shit. <sighs> I'm pretty bad. I don't know all
2: the like... New up-and-coming Utah freerider. This is a Utah freerider person or like a YouTube
1: personality? No, it's like one of the Trek riders that's like in Crankworks and shit. Well, I mean, the
2: the two big, I mean, only one of them makes videos, though. Uh, why am I forgetting his name? He did a little series, uh, Life Behind Bars. Um, he's like the, you know, the OG slopestyle guy. It's not Brett Reeder, but the he always competes. It's like him and Brett Reeder were like trading and blows. and He's Canadian. Why the heck do I not remember his name? Um. Yeah. Sorry. I'll come up with it in a second. You're thinking about Brandon.
1: Brandon Semenuk. Semenuk.
2: All right. So we got Semenuk and Reader. Like those are two. They were Semenuk. Yeah, obviously, Brandon was...
1: Semenuk. That's who it is. Okay. All of Semenuk's videos, every single trick is four or five different shots. And every time I watch one of his videos, I make it about halfway through, and I'm like, zoom the fuck out so I can see how big that actually is. I don't need this pornographically close, overly edited. Like, you're doing something fucking huge. Just pan out and let me fucking see what you're doing. Yeah, they do have that so, one that's exactly
2: what you're asking for, the one-take one, where it's just, like, a truck driving next to him, and then he's doing the whole thing.
1: I mean, that's fine, but that's, that's like, the exception to the rule. Of no, thing. I see what you're but saying. There's...
2: It's a little too... The videos are a little too... Almost too intense Cause they're yeah a lot of close up
0: overproduced
2: and it switches it's not it's not a dig on his riding like I don't think he they're doing it in a way because he can only do one trick at a time like he very obviously can link stuff up like he's arguably probably. One of the best in the entire world about linking stuff up. But yes, it's like uh, you're going to have an epileptic seizure because they go, they have so many shots. Each shot is literally one half of one second and it's just that stitched all together and you're like, Jesus Christ, what's, this is, this is intense. It's like the
1: dubstep of videos. Yeah. And to me, some of the really big, like one of them, he jumps this gigantic rock. He jumps a huge hip and like lands into a rock. And I had to like pause it and be like, okay, well, like his bike looks this big on the rock. So apparently this rock is fucking massive because they weren't zoomed out in a way where you were just like, oh, my God, he's landing in that fucking thing. Jesus Christ. It was like. <laughs> yeah, it's the dubstep of editing. You got it. Um, <laughs> and this video from from what was it? Jack Piercy is the absolute opposite. So I really loved it. Uh, now into Wolf Tooth <laughs> Oh,
0: wait, I remembered what it was I wanted to one of the big things I just forgot about. I just checked our JRA PO box and uh, I hadn't, you know, between going to Memphis and never having the post office box key with me whenever I drive by the post office, I had not checked it in a hot minute, and we had two listener mails. We had one from Bad Idea Rides. Uh, and
1: One from Zach.
0: And Bad Idea Rides wishes us happy Jerry birthday and sent us a mixture of various...
1: Unhinged.
0: <laughs> kind of unhinged stickers, which we really appreciate. <laughs> They're going to go in various places around the house, vehicles, shop, places like that.
1: My favorite one is, what is it, traction as a construct?
0: Yeah, traction as a construct.
1: I want to put that on my car.
0: <laughs> on the Land Rover? Maybe. I think that should go on the Rover. And you got some Rover-related mail.
1: Yep, from Zach. Zach sent me um a sticker and a couple of patches. One is from like a really old Rover Expo in 1994. So that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. So thank you, everyone, for the mail. And if you want to mail anything legal to mail to us... You can mail us at P.O. Box 82, Howard, Colorado
1: 81233. Three.
0: There you go. All right, now on to the Wolf Tooth Tax. Wolf Cha-ching. Tooth Tax. Uh, they released a new dropper remote. The three hundred. The remote. 360 degree dropper lever which looks uh very much like was it crank brothers i was yeah. about to say
1: did they really release something new I or did they just don't want to be snort a, a line dick. of blow and copy something that was terrible from crank brothers in 1997 yeah things a
2: straight
1: <laughs> copy maybe it
2: functions somehow differently but uh, it seems the same to me I'm sure it's of better quality and probably more thought out, but like how it works well, is the, the exact same. The
0: special, or sorry, the uh, Crank Brothers one was like a ball that was inside the remote clamp so that it would swivel around on that to get in position. Well, how does and this, how does one, this one, is, one work? It's not a ball. I can tell you that. it's, it's looks way it's more fixed. It's the
2: exact same thing. Yeah. It just like pivots on, the, it pivots on itself. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the same as the Crank Brothers. Maybe I'm wrong, but. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I that's, that's I mean, a weird one. I mean, I can one. see
0: how you would use you would use this if you had an odd dropper situation like the picture they have in this article. It's mounted with one of those Fox dual control remotes which yeah, I mean, I can see that's uh, it gives you some options, right? So, you know, sometimes if you have extra controller suspension lockout, if you have e-bike controls that kind of shit on your handlebar, maybe your dropper lever can't be just a standard paddle and i think that's where this would come in but i i don't think i would use this outside of needing to use this
1: do they still make these
0: gravity droppers matt's looking up gravity dropper
2: so who was it that made the original pivot lever like that was it
1: crank brothers or someone else i think it was i'm just struggling to find it huh.
0: i found pictures of it if i just googled no crank that's brothers. the new one oh okay
1: you're looking at the new one
0: oh Oh. It's funny, if you Google Crank Brothers dropper, the wolf tooth dropper shows up. (laughs) I don't know what they've done to the internet to make that happen, but uh, that happens for sure.
1: Well, that's Google Ad Services, because you have looked at so much wolf tooth, they know you want to see stuff from wolf tooth.
0: Oh, okay. I hate the internet sometimes.
1: That Ron Swanson thing comes to mind?
0: What's the Ron Swanson thing?
1: It's when he learns about cookies, Oh. and then he goes and throws his computer into the uh, trash. Yeah, so maybe maybe, maybe what I'm thinking
2: of is... From a long time ago. Yeah, maybe the... There's definitely a version of the Crank Brothers where the whole thing kind of pivots on a little ball thing, but that's definitely not what I'm thinking of. There was one... That's not what I'm thinking of either, Kenny. There was 100% another, one that was like the Wolftooth one, right?
0: And then there's one from a company called Yep, and that one looks exactly like the Wolf Tooth one, except maybe it's a little bit more fixed in its position, I guess, like being... With that little stick that sticks out being parallel to your bar rather than being kind of like swivelly.
2: Yeah, but there was one that also had like, I swear it had more knurling and stuff on it. Like it basically looked exactly like the wolf tooth one, but I'll I'll find it eventually. But maybe this was it. I don't know.
0: Look up a yep.
2: It's not a yep.
0: Okay. I mean, that one does look just like the wolf tooth one.
2: Okay, so moving on. One thing that I've encountered is pretty interesting. I'm going to try to find a solution for it. So not only in my own adventures, but also in other customers' adventures, a specialized canivo SL, which is what I own, it has a UDH on it so you can put transmission on it. The problem is it runs a Molly motor, which is not super common, and it runs a Spider, and it's a 94 BCD or 96. I get those confused, but it's the smaller 4-bolt one that SRAM's had out for a minute now. And nobody makes a transmission-compatible chainring for that, including SRAM and everyone else in the world. So Wolf Tooth only makes a drop-stop style A. You need a drop-stop B, which is uh, transmission-compatible. So yeah, you're kind of screwed right now if you have a Kinevo SL and the new motor. They do make a 104 Spider for it, but that Spider does not fit on the old 1.1 motor. And in theory, I've been told maybe. By the internet that there is a version some later production run perhaps of a stram ring and maybe only in certain tooth configurations like maybe a 32 but not a 30 if it's got stamped tg on the inside of the chain ring that one might be transmission compatible another thing that's interesting is good luck trying to tell the difference between a transmission compatible chain ring by looking at the profile of the teeth and everything good luck looking at that Because, yeah, I mean, you're never going to find... Yeah, really silly. So someone needs to make either the proper spider or a 94 BCD ring that is transmission compatible. And, yeah, uh, what I was saying prior to that is if you have those chain rings next to you, if you have an X-Sync 2 and then a T-type chain ring, so maybe someone can chime in. If you look at those, you can maybe start tricking your brain into thinking you can see a difference between them. But I really... You really freaking can't tell supposedly the rollers are a little bigger on a t-type correct so like the trough should be a little bit like think so a little bit wider on them but you can't when you have them up next to each other you cannot tell and also there's so many subtle differences between even x-sync two style rings t-type and non-t-type so steel aluminum different generations they all have the kind of like you know eagle style hooky teeth that's very apparent but they're all subtly different from each other it's freaking insane And they straight up, it will not work. If you put a T-type chain in a not compatible chain ring, it just chain sucks like crazy. That sucks. It does. (laughs) Anyway, that's been my little adventure. So supposedly, though, for people that might be in a similar predicament, supposedly a TG stamped on the inside of the ring might indicate that it was uh, produced with the knowledge of T-type being a thing. And they made some like changes to it, even though it's not officially a T-type ring. What about Garbaruk? I don't know what that is. Oh, Uh, well, you look at what I sent you in the chat. Aha, I am looking at a thing. All right, we're looking at a look. Yes. Okay, so 100% it was the Joplin one because I remember it had knurling on it and pivoting thing and yep, 100%.
1: That's the remote. Yep, we both knew it. I can tell you whose bike that was on. (laughs) I worked on one of those at Outdoors in Memphis. Yeah, probably.
0: Who was it that had it? Was it with a gravity dropper?
1: Nope, they ran gravity dropper levers. That was Susan. And I did that at RB's. Uh Memphis, it would have been Zoe.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So uh Garbarook says that they are T-type compatible, but they don't make a 94 B C D one. Cool. That is not helpful at all. It's <laughs> it is helpful because it tells you that there is an option out there, or there's another brand out there that you haven't explored, and we have now exhausted those <laughs> options. Okay.
2: Wolftooth definitely makes 104. BCD, T-type compatible chainrings in many flavors. And this is a definitely a pretty small part of the market. It's probably basically just Kinevo SLs that people want to go transmission on. But yeah, I don't know if it's worth it. Hopefully that SRAM one will just work. I don't know the answer to that. We'll find out.
0: I was just looking at Gravity Dropper seat posts. They are still in production. Wow. You go to gravitydropper.com. You can look at them. Uh, can't find a weight right off the bat. Uh, I'm the gonna sizes, guess real look, the, heavy. The diameter of the seat posts, they're available in 26.8, 27, and 27.2, with shims available for larger posts. The they're available in two, three and four inch drop and uh also available in a multi position, which is up, down one inch and fully down.
2: But is it still a it's boot It's still mechanical. Is it still a boot yep. with a peg in a hole?
0: It uh, it appears to be. It says, you know, they say it's mechanical. Uh, it's got a boot on it, and if you look at their website, uh, you have to note that they do not ship daily. Their shipments go out once or twice a month. Jesus. And you can right. get the classic post for three hundred dollars.
1: So you can get a Wooltooth post shipped the next day for the same amount of money. Uh,
0: but it's it's got oil and seals and stuff that could leak.
1: And it doesn't come with a boot stolen off of an XR400 front fork.
0: (laughs) You have to have seven and a quarter inches of exposed post in your up position to run a four inch drop
2: post. God damn. So is the biggest post they make a hundred mil drop? Yeah. Jeez, that's crazy. Yep. All right. Oh, I did one other thing. I just remembered. I put drop bars on my crave. Aha! Uh-huh. What length stem did you use? Uh, Sixty. How much shorter is that than what you normally run? Uh, I don't know.
0: You kind of have like a various selection of stems depending on the bike.
1: I don't understand that question.
2: I guess what I'm getting at is if you are if you think you're in a comfortable position on that, how much shorter did you have to go on your stem?
1: Oh, no, no. I didn't look at it like that, Kenny. I looked at the reach is 60 mils longer than my last gravel bike. So I shortened the stem for my gravel bike by 60 millimeters. And now I know that my bars are going to be where they need to be.
2: Yeah, there you go. So you had a... You, you just... <laughs> You just did the, the backwards math. You had a 120 on there.
1: Oh, okay. I so thought like you were what, asking
2: me what I was running flat bar. And I'm like, that doesn't matter. Yeah, I thought, that's a I way thought you were just position.
0: meant like, what stem do you just use on your mountain bikes? Well, I guess
2: I was kind of, I guess we both kind of uh, swung and missed there. So I guess, yeah, twofold. What would you normally run on a gravel bike of similar size? And then also, what did you have mountain bike wise on when you had a flat bar?
1: Well, I, it's kind of weird. Because I I'd set it up pretty short and high because I just wanted to try it kind of short and high and trying to think, okay, so when I had a large Crave, this was an extra large, I wrote a 120 or 130 stem on it off-road. Flat bar. Flat All right, bars. so
2: you ready? We're going to come up with a rule of thumb for listeners. If you, had, if you have a properly fitting mountain bike for you, flat bar, and you want to put drop bars on it of reasonable width, take the reach of... The reach of your drop bar, so that's usually going to be what, like 60 to 80 millimeters, like the hood reach.
0: Yeah, something like that.
2: Take that, divide it by two, and that's how much you should shorten your stem by? You think that's reasonable? Not at all. No,
1: (laughs) no. What do you mean not at all? Come at me. It's going to get you pretty close, right? No, it's not. You don't need to start from your mountain bike. You need to start from a known drop bar bike and go from there. I'm just saying if you 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 have a proper fitting, I'm trying to go from, for the people that maybe don't have
2: a proper fitting road bike or gravel bike, it's like, yo, I've got a proper fitting mountain bike though. What length stem should I do? don't fuck with it. (laughs) Oh my gosh.
0: So you're gonna add about yeah, let's say seventy to eighty millimeters of reach. So if you take your mountain bike reach on your bike that fits you and you need to then subtract seventy millimeters from it because then you're I mean, approximately, not exactly because your hands. Well your hands are in a different position together. plus they're closer together.
2: Yeah. Like you're, yeah, but, you're turning but it's your, a turning pretty... your hands ninety degrees plus your way closer together
0: but that's that's why most of the time unless your mountain bike is a little on the small side for you most of the time you aren't going to get away with converting it to drop bar without just being like stupid in the reach because it is you know you you do need to subtract a substantial amount so if you think of a modern mountain bike where you're already running like a 50 millimeter stem if you don't have enough to take away to compensate for putting drop bars on it. Most of the time, you know, so just take that for what it is. How did we even start talking about this? Oh, yeah, Matt, Matt remembered about his crave. Yep. Have you ridden, did you ride it around in the yard or was it too snowy?
1: It was super cold and snowy. Yeah,
0: we got like eight inches of snow or something. Yeah. Uh, do we want to do Wolf Tooth Tax Part 2? Yeah. Uh, quick, they made go. uh, aero chain guides for Cervelo and Otso bikes. So they've already had a drop bar, like a, a road bike or gravel bike uh, chain guard or chain guide. And uh, they, they've they just made some new, slightly more specific to the model uh, chain guides. That's it. That concludes our wolf tooth tax. We ready going. to move on? Keep going. All right. Uh, 45 North has a new winter tire. I think this is interesting because they've basically made a tread pattern and rubber compound, I guess their choice of rubber compound, that makes a tire that does not have studs in it, that is optimized for cold and wet roads. So I think that's kind of cool. It's like a winter tire, a non-studded winter tire for your bike. So if you're in one of those, you know, uh, places where...
1: What sizes does it come in?
0: uh, I think it was 700 by 40, and it's tubeless compatible, optimized for a rim with a 20 to 25 millimeter internal width with bead-to-bead puncture protection. So, yeah, I think that's kind of cool. They don't give a weight on it. 45 North is one of those companies where they just give the middle finger to giving a tire weights.
1: Not recommended for power assist bikes as the additional torque and system weight can lead to premature casing wear.
0: Yeah, there you go. But I think that's kind of cool. I mean, I, I used studded tires back when I was riding in the wintertime a lot more. I used studded tires around here because it just, it really made sense because a lot of the gravel roads would have long stretches of packed snow and ice on them and they definitely saved my ass a few times
1: those tires still exist or are they just dry rotted now
0: mm, they're probably dry rotted by now they've been hanging up we still have them i don't know if they'd be a viable Got thing it. you could definitely put them on the crave see see what happens
1: oh yeah see what happens See if the tire <laughs> dry rot blows out at 30 miles an hour
0: ah, it, it probably wouldn't i mean we've seen way worse than what they probably are
1: Girls. that
0: that still runs right
1: she just knows she's that beneficiary on the life insurance she's
0: like no, <laughs> yeah uh, oh yeah we should have gone over this when we were talking about dropper post
1: no we shouldn't have
0: <laughs> ks lev circuit is out i don't know if it's been out for a while this is like a that repeat. is
1: straight up the alibaba axs post
0: <laughs> it's slightly lighter and slightly less expensive than the access post
1: so here is and my if you... and if you hate a reverb you really want a ks <laughs> yeah here's my problem with that
2: i haven't ever seen anyone's ks posts that lasts more than a season or two like just period so unless they completely revamped their design. So, fair enough. There was also not a reverb on the entire planet that lasted more than 50 ride hours, maybe 100. Like, it was not physically possible. Sometimes they were broken out of the box. unless
0: you serviced it based on the manufacturer's recommended service periods. Well, yeah,
2: let's go take my seat post off and send it in and spend $200 to make it work for another year. I don't know. Like... I'm,
0: yeah. I'm about I mean, the, following...
2: Basically, that's they ridiculous. Were, they were the worst posts in the world. If you're even remotely trying to defend the Reaver right now,
1: I'm going to hang up.
0: No, no. I'm saying that they, they require a very aggressive and proactive service schedule to keep them functioning.
1: They're the Land Rover of seat posts. <laughs> they
0: are the Land Rover <laughs> of seat posts.
1: <laughs> so anyway,
2: uh, the KS is a lot like the Reverb in that way, where... Unless they change something. Now, here's the deal. Obviously, the access C post, I never really got into rebuilding reverb, so I don't know. I know there were a zillion different revisions. Like, good luck if you wanted to carry, like, seals and all that crap for those things, the originals. The new one was obviously redesigned in such a way that they're way more robust because they are pretty great now. Like, I have very few people that have issues with the new wireless ones. So, if KS did the same thing and KS has, like, completely revamped how they work, then we can talk. But if not, like, 100% not interested.
0: Yeah, it does have adjustable air pressure, according to this article, for either a smooth and controlled or a rocket-fast return, which means it's going to be a cunt slapper if you put too much air in it.
1: There you go. Just like the... Like the the wolf resolve. Yeah,
0: the wolf-tooth post and the specialized command post. Both of those, you max out that air pressure and you better watch your taint when you raise that thing. I just wanted to... Just Like, this is a little bit of a tangent. Uh, I just kind of was scrolling through the information about this, and it is IP67 rated, which the article says that makes it dust-proof and water-resistant, which is not true. I went and looked at what exactly IP67 means. Uh, The first number in the after IP, uh, the 6, means that it is dust-tight, and dust cannot ingress, and... When it comes to liquid, it is secure from a powerful water jet projected from a 12.5 millimeter nozzle at 100 liters per minute. So that would make this basically waterproof, short of you blasting it with a pressure washer directly, you know, at the electronic portion of it.
2: So I think people don't really like using the term waterproof because, like you know you can like submerge things completely in water and then leave them in water and then you can like drop them below the water and then you get into um, Well, Andy, you know I like just read the wrong the
1: wrong number oh uh, uh, no
0: i didn't the first that's the first digit first digit is six, this.
1: What's the second digit?
0: It's the rate of protection of the internal electronic component against water ingress. I'm just reading this from the article, so they don't have a handy chart for the second digit on this thing that I'm reading like they do the first digit.
1: Oh. The way this chart's set up, I read it wrong. Andrea's smarter than me. Just edit all that out so (laughs) I don't look stupider again. More stupider.
0: Yeah. So, I always like, anytime I see a number Put on something like that, I'd like to go and find out what that actually means. I'm not just going to like get on the air or just have a normal conversation about bike parts with people and be like, this one's IP67 rated and not know a fucking clue about what that actually means. So now I have at least a an elementary understanding of what ip67 means but yeah and it's good, I think it's that's good that that
2: exists because yeah i mean the, the term waterproof gets thrown around but like what the fuck the fuck does that actually mean because well, the
1: problem with you can have waterproof
2: out. like spraying water like hey it rained outside and my watch is okay versus the ocean gate submarine that was also waterproof until it wasn't <laughs> <laughs>
0: It was well, not IP67 rated. It was. It, it was, was IP67. What I'm get, what I'm getting what at is there's
1: very well, different ratings well, for waterproofness. Well, but the problem, Kenny, I think the best way to describe it is, is it's a lot like when folks start talking about, like, Toray 9000, carbon and, like, ballistic 9 million. And it's like, cool, what the fuck does that actually mean, though? Yeah. You know, I think it's just jargon that's supposed to glaze over the eyes of the customer.
0: Right. So, I, I went and looked that up. I thought that that was... Just an interesting little bit of education for our listeners.
2: Yeah, the moral of the story is the IP system is good, and it exists because there are varying degrees of waterproofness from your 1990s Casio digital watch to the Ocean Gate submarine. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And it's a lot like when I had the the battery replaced in my watch, like I have a, I mean, it's nice for me. It's like a Pertucci watch. It's like a hundred dollar watch, but it's just like nicer than a sports watch. And I had the battery replaced and the guy at the watch store was like, dude, this isn't going to be waterproof anymore. And I was like, what does that mean? And he's like, well, and I was like, does that mean I can't wash my hands with it on? And he's like, no, you can't go swimming with it on. And I'm like, okay. No problem. Rip, butter chip. <laughs> or tatered chip? Like, who gives a shit? Like, I'm not going to go fucking diving with it. Like, I'm going to wash my hands after I take a shit. Can we shit on these wheels and then do a listener question and then call it? Sure.
0: Uh, yeah, we can do that. Uh, the Fulcrum Red Zone Carbon Plus, lighter and stiffer cross country mountain bike wheels. They are under 1400 grams. They're decently wide. Let's see. How wide? Let me find the actual number. 28 millimeter internal. Uh, They are a solid rim bead inside, so you don't tape them. And the one thing that I thought was well, they're 24 hole front and rear, which we talked about last week, and they have premium USB ceramic bearings with cup and cone adjustability. Uh, I think that's.
2: Is that the old uh is that the old regular cartridge bearing situation that they want you to tension because they haven't figured out how to put a fucking spacer in between the bearings?
1: I no, no, it's like a Shimano hub, like cup and cone. I
0: thought Fulcrum was actually a cartridge no. bearing.
2: Yeah, I mean, well there you have seen those cup and well, not cup and yeah, cone. Yeah,
0: I know what you're talking about. It's like a cup and cone.
2: But it's uh, up against the, a cartridge zips, bearing. All the zips yeah. were that way for a while.
1: And it wouldn't be a cup and cone then. It would have preload adjustment on the axle. Well, maybe There's they're just no saying cone and maybe involved. they're saying cup yeah. and
2: cone style where you can like you can move some threaded bits and it tightens and loosens the preload.
0: It also has a full thirty six tooth alloy free hub with three paws, meaning you get about, I don't know, seventy degree engagement or something. I know it's not that bad. I'm exaggerating. Or but.
1: Or, hear me out, you could save yourself $200. You could get one millimeter narrower, so 27 mil internal. You could get 28 spokes and shave weight and go with Bird Hawk 27s with I-9 hubs. There you go. So.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's just another light option if you just want, I don't know, something that says fulcrum on it. <laughs> They're $2,500 in case anyone uh, wants to buy a set.
1: How much did you say?
0: 2500
1: Oh, yeah. So these are 2300
0: There you go. Uh, we have an update. If we're finished with new shit, Kenny, is that all the new shit that you want to talk about? It is. All right. Uh, so last week we discussed our listener that was breaking spokes on his NVM 525 wheels. And I'm going to ask Matt to read this because my voice is getting tired.
1: Hey, Jerry. Crew follow up on the NVM 525 broken spoke issue. First, thanks for the discussion. Kenny's right, 24 isn't enough. is right, Envy's customer service is excellent, I contacted them after the first break, and they sent me four spokes and brass nipples, and Matt's question is on point, how do they break? Answer, all three are non-drive side, first one broke broke for the threads end, second two broke right at the J-bend. Trail damage is always a possibility, rocks do kick up, but at the very most, I'm seeing some very slight scratches, maybe one or two of them, and nowhere near the actual break. Tension, I've got the Park TM-1 tension gauge, and I've been keeping an eye on this wheel since the... First spoke broke, and yes, I do check with tire mounted at riding pressure. Drive side. tension is consistent at blah, 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 blah. A quick correction, spoke size per supreme is yada, yada, yada. Boy, those are really um, important numbers that you're yada, yada, yada bro. <laughs> Drive-side tension is 145 to 160 kilogram or KGF, and non-drive is 90 to Does he go. Does
2: he give us the park tool number? TM-1. Well, sorry. I want to know what it's reading on the park tool gauge because people convert the, it wrong all the time.
1: The fuck if I know? Oh,
2: well, shit. Sorry to cr- make the answer a third question, but... But unfortunately, there's a lot of misinformation out there about what a Aerolite slash CX ray should be on the Park tool gauge. At the end of the day, on the with no tire mounted on the high tension side on an Envy, it should be in the 16 to 17 ballpark on your Park. Gauge, And I don't know what that's going to mean on the low tension side, to be quite honest, but if your wheels dish correctly, just tell me what your high tension side is and you'll be good. But it definitely sounds like to me, it is a fatigue problem from too low attention. And it might just be that you can't fix it because it's too flexy of a wheel. And even at that high tension, the rim is deflecting enough to snap those spokes,
1: essentially. Like, it's, it's, it's
2: detentioning it.
1: I originally said 1.0 by 2.2 based on the average of several measurements I took. So there are Supreme CX-Ray spokes, the lightest spoke they offer. 24 of the lightest spokes available. What could go wrong? I'm now considering rebuilding... Uh, I build my own wheels with Sabine C X ray sprints, which are heavier at one point two five by two point two five. Thanks also for Kenny walking back, the negative impression of Sabine in general. I really appreciate all the input and that was from Stevo. But not Steve O, but Steve O.
0: All right. Any thoughts, Kenny? I think I think you already gave your thoughts. Yeah, I mean I kinda
1: did. I need to i
2: I'd like to know what it reads on the on the gauge itself because a lot of people will under-tension those spokes because they think, if you look at the conversion chart, it's so weird. The chart that they give you in the box, they do not have a spot for the two most popular spokes on the entire planet. They do not give you the bladed uh, tension for CX-rays or Like That size is not listed on that card, which is ridiculous. So they need to fix that. It's been going on that way for 10-plus years now. Maybe there's an updated card, but the last couple times that we've purchased those pretty recently, the card is the same. That's in there. So with all that said, in my experience, you need to be 16 to 17 on the park tool gauge to be uh, 120 to 130 kilograms of force, which is where you want to be on an Envy.
0: All right. I have a short patron tech question. Okay. Jake asks, is it worth shortening my brake lines when I switch to a bar that is two centimeters narrower?
1: This is a road bike question.
0: Yeah. I'm going to say if you were, if you did correctly in the, in the at first, like when you set it up and shortened everything so that it, you know, ran smoothly and it didn't rub anything and, you know, you could turn your bars right, but they weren't super long at that point. Uh, if you just did a good job at first, when you shorten by, or when you make your bars two centimeters narrower, it's still going to be good. If you did a sloppy job and made everything kind of long and unmatched uh, when you first set it up, then, eh, you know, for aesthetics especially, you you should probably shorten it.
1: And I know what Blake Jake is talking about. This is an off-the-shelf cervello, so it wasn't built necessarily for him. And my answer was, well, it depends. Did that last bit make it go from a little longish to there Because, yeah, if they were a little long to start, did it push you over the edge? Maybe you need to. Maybe you just want a project. Maybe you just want to drink beer and shorten your brake lines. That's fine. Do it if you want to.
0: Yeah. I mean, most of the time, if your lines are a little on the long side, it's not going to functionally hurt anything. But it might look like shit, so that's really up to you. All right, are we, are we done? Do we want to wrap it up?
2: Yeah, shut it down.
0: Matt just started giggling. Yep, I did. Uh, uh. We have all of the merchandise, except for the fundraiser partnership for Community Action stickers. Um, you know, that's a donation. We're not going to put that on sale. But uh, we have everything for sale on our website. You can get a set of water bottles for $25 now instead of 30 And all of the patches and stickers are a dollar off. So check it out. Buy some shit. Give away our merchandise as a Christmas present or whatever holiday you want to celebrate right now to whoever told you to come and listen to our podcast.
1: Well, there you have it. Capitalism. Buy something. <laughs> and if you don't buy something, the Nazis win. <laughs> Sure. So, sorry, if you've ever listened to the podcast Behind the Bastards, that all made a lot of sense. Capitalism. Ads. Go. Good night. All
0: right. We wrapping it up?
1: Sure.
0: Shutting it down?
1: Shut it down. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Just Riding Along show. There's some shit coming out of your pads.